Hey everyone, Justin's nephew Jackson wants to tell you where to go if you want to support the show. Yeah. Pay, Pay. Jury. Daily. Daily. Dot com. Dot com. Nailed it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Justin Rabbit Young Daily Show! Ah, feeling good. Feeling good today. Feeling excited. Got a lot done. Good times. Good times. Matter of food. Here's one thing about working a lot and living in your apartment. Well, I mean, I guess we all live in our apartment or house on some level, but I mean like living. I mean like literally I wake up, I come in one room, I come to another room, I'm here. Periodically I go to the kitchen and then eventually at another point I go back to the first room and I sleep. And I do it again. I spend a lot of time here. Now, that means that I also... like. Sometimes I worry about how much I'm eating because, you know, the, the, the stuff that I'm doing is creative. Creative endeavors inherently kind of uh, tap into an internal resource that creates anxiety. It's the same reason why people uh, uh, get stressed out public speaking or, or uh, writing or something like that. And so with anxiety comes stress. With stress comes eating oftentimes. And I'm not a tremendous stress eater, but at times I can be. I'm more of a stress eater when I know I have a lot of food. When I have a lot of food, when I have a lot of snacks, a lot of little sneaky snacks, some of my favorites. For whatever reason, I've just been getting cold cut pastrami. Yeah, just like a like a bag of pastrami strips. They just had that shit on the Amazon Fresh Sticks. I, I, I threw it in there and I loved it. Chips and salsa, another one. And I try to keep it healthy, you know, rock some vegetables, carrot sticks. I like myself a, a pile of carrot sticks. So I'm not terribly awful. Like, I don't eat a ton of awful food. But every once in a while, I'm eating some awful food. It's just, it's happening. One of the things that I like to do is I've been eating more fruit. You know, but the problem is I got, the place where I, primar- I primarily shop from are either Amazon or Whole Foods. And now I, I think that, Amazon is getting, Amazon Fresh is getting some of its fresh produce from the Whole Foods that's right down the street. But here's the problem with Whole Foods. It's not quite as bad as the farmer's market, but uh, it is it is pretty bad. Wherein the fucking produce goes bad immediately. You know, a lot of people, that you, you'll, you'll get up my butt and you're like, man, look at you, hoity-toity uh, Bay Area hipster. And to which I say, Guilty as charged, Your Honor. Absolutely. But let me tell you this. Oh, my God, do I long for the days of a Publix or a Wegmans 
or an Albertsons. There's a Safeway down the block, but oh my God, so far. I mean, I want to have a Whole Foods right around the corner. But those things, I don't know what pesticides they spray on them. I don't know what you know child sacrifice has to happen to make sure that these goddamn... I swear to God, you can go get a peach at a Safeway. That shit will still be on your table and taste the exact same way in eight years. And I'm sure a lot of y'all are saying, oh, it's unnatural. I would go back to it. I don't care what pact with the devil you have to make. I'm in for it. I love it. Because I'll get these, uh, I got I got three nectarines the other day. They were goddamn bad before I could blink. What the fuck am I going to do with a bunch of bad nectarines? Oh. So I, 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 I've been eating a lot more fruit. I, 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 I like grapes. Man, I've been getting a lot of grapes, a lot of green grapes, sour grapes. Love them. I don't like the red ones as much. I like the green ones. And right now, we're in a good grape season. I know this because I've been buying grapes enough that I know when good grape season is and when bad grape season is. Good grape season, I'm assuming, is when it's hot as shit everywhere in California but here. Love it. Right now, oh my God, these fucking grapes, man. I swear to God, if I got one of my eyes plucked out, I could just draw a little silly squ- uh, circle in the center of it, pop it right in there, no one would know the difference. They're that goddamn big. But every once in a while, even when the grapes are good, you get down to one of them. And I would say it's this is the same thing with cherry tomatoes. You take a bite, and it's bad. And nothing. friends. I mean nothing is worse than biting in to a cherry tomato or a grape that is bad and doesn't snap, right? You want the snap. Now, I get annoyed when I spend, you know, three to five dollars. To be honest, I have no idea. I I might have just uh, uh, Lucille Bluth myself. I mean, it's one banana, Michael. What could it cost? Ten dollars? But imagine... If I had spent this amount of money on a bunch of grapes that just sold in Japan, $11,000 American. Oh my God, Becky. This is a CNN story. Visitors to a hot spring in central Japan will soon be able to snack on $460 grape. That's after the manager of the chain of the hot spring hotels in the uh, Ishikawa prefecture on the northern coast of the main Honshu Island, became the winning bidder for a bunch of ruby Roman grapes in an auction in Kanazawa on Tuesday. They will pay 1.2 million yen or $11,000 for 24 plump, deep red grapes, prized for their juiciness, high sugar content, and low acidity. It's the most expensive bunch since the breed came to market 12 years ago. Oh my God! So this is just—I know that there's there is a, a a culture of high money food auctions in Japan. I I would guess the biggest one would be the tuna. I know that there's like some crazy prices that have been sold for fish. If somebody else knows anything about this, then go ahead and hit me up. But I would be so pissed if I paid four hundred and sixty dollars for a single grape and it wasn't exactly what I wanted. 
Oh my God, would I be annoyed? Although I'm looking at these grapes now, man. Holy shit, do they look plump. They are fat grapes. Why aren't we on this grape train? Make America grape again. What a sad time. A sad story I'm going to sing for you. Uh, Nobody likes a lost love. Nobody enjoys hearing about misery. There are a few things that we all love to enjoy in life. For some, it's a hobby like fishing. For others, it's the joy of family. For the city of San Francisco, it's banning things that people like. But has the city reached a tipping point? San Francisco uh, Chronicle headline here today for the business section as written by Catherine Ho, nanny state or progressive politics in ban Francisco, the debate rages on. We begin our story. To San Franciscan Chris Chin, the owner of a vape shop in the city's Tenderloin neighborhood, the proposed e-cigarette ban being considered by city officials would be tantamount to becoming the ultimate nanny state. I've renamed it Ban Francisco because you can't do anything in this city, said Chin, whose store gone with the smoke. I mean, for real. That dude's in the tenderloin. He's definitely selling like drug paraphernalia, too. I mean, all right, editorial. Uh, uh, He said you can't get a plastic bag or a straw. Or flavored tobacco. What's next? Chin's sentiments capture an undercurrent of frustration that a city once famous for its free-spirited ethos has strayed so far from its roots that many of its policies, famed as progressive, are starting to feel downright oppressive. We're adults. We want to vape. We can do it, said Chin. Freedoms are becoming less and less. Here's a list of some of the banned products in San Francisco. Electric scooters, sideway delivery robots, e-cigarettes, company cafeterias, cashless stores, plastic straws, fur coats, and facial recognition technology. Now, obviously, not all of these affect all Americans, and many of them are very San Francisco issues, considering that they relate to technology and the ever-growing perk war between various different tech companies. That's where the cafeteria stuff came from. But it does kind of raise this question. If you are a city based on counterculture, what happens when counterculture becomes culture? What happens when the pirates become your mayor? I mean, I guess New Orleans, like literally. But figuratively, figuratively, if you have a city that was grown up around, let's repeal certain laws. Let's get government out of the way in certain social issues. Gays can get married. People can smoke weed. Stuff like that. Sanctuary cities. What happens when you start using that hammer to hammer out things you don't like? Now, this isn't a new thing for San Francisco. San Francisco, as this article points out, led the country when it came to banning smoking in in restaurants or even around restaurants. Same thing with workplaces. 
Same thing with plastic bags. These are regulations that were once considered laughable that now are kind of the norm. They exist in many, many, many cities, specifically when it comes to smoking. But at what point are they shooting themselves in the foot? According to the article, the reason why some of this uh, legislation has been so quick to happen is because the, the local government panders to the people that vote in local government primaries. This is a very small subsection of San Francisco in general, and they are very fussy. So they believe, get these scooters off the street. Boom, the scooters are off the street. I'm not uh, happy because my daughter, I uh, caught her with a jewel pod. Ban all jewel pods. But here was the money quote. This is what I thought was the funniest. I thought this was great. This is a quote from uh, Joe Arlano, a political consultant for Lime. That's one of them scooter companies. Uh, and an aide to then Mayor Gavin Newsom. He uh, uh, apparently was uh, 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 you know, working with people during 2010 on a ban uh, to uh, a ban on giving away toys with fast food meals that became known as the Happy Meal ban. He said uh, at the time there was an appetite to have San Francisco be the pace car for driving this change across the country. Now, 10 years later, there's still an appetite to move these types of policies forward, but there's definitely much more fatigue that set in. San Francisco takes as many swings as possible at legislation to address some of the newest and pressing issues in 2019 and beyond. In some cases, these policies will go on to become enacted around the country and the world. In other cases, they'll fall flat. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. We're talking about banning things. You miss 100% of the bans you don't enact. By the way, for those who came to see my live show in San Francisco, enjoy the open-air drug market and the human shit on the streets of the Tenderloin. But don't worry, you won't have any jewel pods messing up the view. You can always email me, jurydaily at gmail.com. Again, jurydaily at gmail.com. Mike wrote in, how the fuck did you gloss over the statement in yesterday's email? Uh, the writer said he had his own collection of deep nudes in his mind of his favorite siblings. What the fuck? Think about it. The, think about the meaning of that statement. I did probably too much, hence my email. Keep up the great work, and for the record, I'm five times older than a nine-year-old. All right. So I definitely said that sentence. And it was definitely, well, I'll just have the author of the original email who wrote in speak for himself. Ken writes, Justin, every deep nude clarification email I send makes me sound like a bigger pervert, but here it goes. I wrote 
that as a teenager, I had a deep nude mind place with my favorite celebrities. You read that out loud for all the internet to hear as siblings. For some reason, I've chosen deep nudes as the hill I'm determined to die on, but yet I will not defend deep nudes of siblings. All right. Now that I am slightly less creepy, allow me to triple down. I remember as a thirsty thirsty pubescent boy being enamored by the curvaceous model on the cover of Flair magazine. I took that magazine into my room, set up a makeshift light box using a lamp, and proceeded to trace the innocent lady onto paper. Only where her dress was, I let my imagination run wild. And wild, it ran. I had produced my own manual deep nude that I kept in a file folder under my bed. Maybe I'm so defensive of deep nudes because I'm the original deep nuder. I don't think drawing naked pictures of people is a deep nude. Because part of it is is the idea that other people would presume it is the real thing. I don't think anybody would look at your fucking, you know, 13-year-old drawing and be like, what the fuck? Where did you get that picture of a naked lady? You put it back right now. Hopefully I didn't screw up that email. He didn't say that he had pictured his siblings naked. All right, for the fa- for the record, that didn't happen. Sorry. <laughs> That's actually something I should apologize for. All right, everybody, that about wraps it up here for today. I would like to thank our producers, the Jen, PD Rave, non-specific rock and roll Martian. Whoa! James, the OG Brito. Whoa! And Chris, if you want to email the show, jurydaily at gmail.com. I want to thank Sunbun, who was the man who gave us both of our jury stories today. He did it in our Discord, bit.ly slash jury discord. You can also hit me up Twitter and Instagram at Justin R. Young. Until tomorrow with the return, an epic return of high thoughts. This is your old boy, Justin Robert Young, telling you to please give a round of applause to Mr. Wack. But more importantly, until I see you all next, please. Don't. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)